When you're watching that and you see them crying and all that, you would literally think she really got killed on set that night. Those emotions that you've seen, I, I watched these and understand this is, I, I was a rookie at that point in time. I watched these actors prep themselves beforehand. And everybody had their own little thing. Seth was off doing his own little thing. And I and I understand when I first get to set, because they had already um, been going up before I got there and versus my call time. And I first get to set, and I'm looking at this man pacing back and forth, looking at himself and talking to himself. And then I got my sides for the day. And then I read the sides and it was like, oh, so now I'm looking around at everybody. And Corey Robinson, another great guy, Corey Parker Robinson, I'm sorry, another great guy. You know, I was watching him do his thing. I was like, oh, they prepping for the, the drive scene and, you know, the emotion scene. And Seth, when he gets out of the car, he kills him. I mean, no, he kills him. Dominic killed it. I mean, everybody. It was, it was like it was a it was a feeling in the air of like unbelievable sorrow, even though we knew it wasn't real. Hi there, I'm Dave. This is Kobe. And you're listening to The Wire Stripped, where we watch every episode of HBO's The Wire. And you won't just be hearing from us guys, you'll be hearing from the cast and the crew, some fans, and you guys, more importantly. This episode, we watched Season 1, Episode 11, The Hunt. And without further ado, here's our chat, which we recorded earlier on the streets of London. When you walk through the garden, you got to watch your back. Well, I beg your pardon, walk the straight and narrow track. When you walk with Jesus... He's gonna save your soul Just gotta keep the devil Way down in the hole He got the fire and the fury Alright, so uh, Dave here, myself and Kobe are sitting on a park bench Howdy guys uh, Looking out over the world Living life clean <laughs> Just like bubs Just emulating bubs here <laughs> Um so we are talking about season one, episode eleven, the hunt. Yeah. Uh, so the first storyline here, it's the it's the aftermath of uh, of Kima's shooting. Yeah. So the cops are banded together after Kima's shot. Yeah. Um, it was interesting seeing them all, how they all react differently. Yeah. You know, Herc and Carve are very much, you know, physical and aggressive, and they're kicking things, and uh, McNulty is just completely beaten down and completely yeah like all the blood's drained from his face yeah he feels like he's he's caused all this mayhem he's taking it very personally oh absolutely um, Freeman is just like man of action absolutely uh, and I like that he he tells Carve and Hark to get back to the wire and Carve just goes fuck you <laughs> and he's like this is how we get the guys yeah. and he's like oh yeah he's right <laughs> where would yeah. you rather be yeah um I like. I really love the start of the scene because you just have you have a swarm of cops, like they yes. hear, hear like one of theirs is down. Never seen so many police in one place at one time, and it's one. It's a clusterfuck basically. There's too many, in yeah, fact, absolutely. as Jay says. You know, we can, and I love. I, I must say, 
rolls throughout this whole rolls scene. In this in this episode is is amazing, isn't he? Yeah. Like you're like, oh, I kind of get now why why, he's... why you're a major. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like you are still an asshole, but he's very good at his job and yeah. he's authoritative. Absolutely. And he's fair. I thought he was very fair to McNulty. He was, yeah. Yeah. And I think he, he's he's got one eye very much on the command and climbing the ladder. But he, like you say, he's he's been there and he's done that, and he knows that. This hundred and twenty million police around here is just going to fuck everything up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he says to Daniels, "Just slow this shit right down. Let's slow this down and make sure we do it properly because we don't want to mess this up." Yeah. And that's like, yeah, that's from us looking on on them. Seems like you know, police work one hundred and one. Let's not rush it. Let's get everything done properly. Um, but that, that pep talk that Rawls has with Minolte. Oh, uh, so good. So it's, <laughs> it's it's amazing where Minolte is completely dishevelled and he feels that everything is his fault it's his fault that Keem is down it's his fault that she's struggling for life and Rawls is do you want to, do you want to take I this? actually yeah. wrote down what he said because I love this so much listen to me you fuck you did a lot of shit here you played a lot of fucking cards and you made a lot of fucking people do a lot of fucking things they didn't want to do this is true we both know this is true You, McNulty, are a gaping asshole. We both know this. Fuck if everybody in CID doesn't know it. But fuck if I'm going to stand here and say you did a single fucking thing to get a police shot. You did not do this, you fucking hear me? This is not on you. No, it isn't, asshole. It was like, but what, how brilliant, like he... He combined like the most scathing takedown Absolutely. with the most comforting like <laughs> acknowledgement. <laughs> and this is coming from a guy who hates your guts. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so as as well as as Kima and you share the the cops' worries uh, for her, as well as that, you've got this crowning moment between Rawls and McNulty. This is Joe Kiley. He's my co-host on the podcast Scheitgeist. Where like Rawls pretty much outlines as only he can and with um copious references to uh to bodily functions and pieces of the anatomy as he is wont to do uh he tells McNulty that if it were his fault he would absolutely nail him on it but it wasn't his fault and it's it's both a pivotal moment for Mc, for for um McNulty but it's also very humanizing for uh for Rawls and even when he goes into the crime scene and takes charge uh he like he expels all the useless people from the crime scene the all the cops that want to do the right thing and want to what's the word they want to insinuate themselves into the investigation even though they're of no use to it he cuts through the bullshit Again, as only a leader like Rawls can, uh, he cuts through it and he gets rid of them. Um, and so you, you can spend a lot of the series cursing Rawls and and thinking he's a he's a malevolent force. But when push comes to shove, when shit gets real, you know why he is where he is. That he he is a leader, even if he sometimes leads people down the wrong path. Well, one of the things that I really do and did enjoy about Burrell is highlighted in, in I think, about the, um, towards the end of the season when 
Kima is shot. Here's more of our interview with Frankie Faison, who played Deputy Commissioner Burrell. And someone has to speak to Kima's partner. And Burrell steps up and rises to the challenge. And also, it's highlighted in the fact that Burrell has something that he could hold over Daniel's head, and he's not putting it forward. Burrell actually likes Daniels. He likes, he sees him as a good cop, a good police officer, who has not learned rank and file completely yet. And um, he, he see, I mean, Burrell can't function in that way. But I think when he sees someone like Daniels, or he sees someone like Kima who goes down in the line of duty, and they see, I mean, he's really... He's really moved by this stuff, and he's, he's, he's a real touch of humanity. Yeah, I love roles in this scene. Ne- ne- nowhere else in Hawaii do I love roles, but this is uh, brilliant. And he just, it's just in, like, we need to get this sorted. Get your shit together, get your shit together, McNulty, because we need you on it. You're a great policeman. I yeah. hate you, but we need you right <laughs> yeah. now. That's basically what you're saying there, isn't it? I could just watch Rawls and McNulty <laughs> all day. Like, I wish they had had a, a, a spin-off sitcom. Yeah. Yeah. Where they're, like, forced to be roommates or something. <laughs> Listen to me, you fuck. You did a lot of shit here. You played a lot of fucking cards, and you made a lot of fucking people do a lot of fucking things they didn't want to do. This is true. We both know this is true. You, McNulty, are a gaping asshole. The other part of this storyline, obviously, this is all the cops are involved in this, but um, Homicide are also involved because Orlando's been shot, and we see Bunk in action. I enjoyed all this stuff, seeing... Yeah. Um, Bunk and Norris and all them yeah. uh, going down the alley, and they're just like, right, we need a, we need a, a print here. We've yeah. got a shoe print. We need a clay. What's it called? We need a plaster cast. Plaster cast. Yeah. Um, tech team here. Tech team. But um, no, as good as they are, and they're very good. You know, they trace it to the car. Yeah. Um, they're really on it. Freeman's still on what one ups them, doesn't oh, he? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So Freeman's from from the wide top. He's gone back to the wiretap and he's established that this phone number rang string a bell and we need to find out what the phone number is related to. And he, f- he follows it independently to the same phone booth and picks up some fingerprints, picks up a can which was discarded, which had other fingerprints on it, <laughs> and links it back. Like, uh, so good. Absolutely. And he basically wanders into the homicide department and just goes like he's he has so many of these moments throughout this whole show where he's just like oh here you go <laughs> i found this missing piece of evidence because i'm awesome <laughs> and they go and it's i think it's detective holly um it's like dude you're good where are you from <laughs> yeah <laughs> who are you again <laughs> yeah. yeah uh yeah i'm from the porn i'm from the porn department, porn shop department. Uh, i'll see you guys later so so good is is freeman the best police on the police force I think so he's got to be right there's no I mean McNulty's very good Bunk's very good there's a lot of good cops there but they they kind of specialise if you think about it like Freeman's good at everything McNulty and Bunk are live wires yes that's very true McNulty more than Bunk yeah and um, they're people you want in your team but the first person on your team you'd want is Freeman I'd say yeah because Uh, he's 
the most intelligent. Yeah. He's the most steady. Yeah. He's cerebral. Absolutely. He. He just seems to know about everything. Yeah, yeah he's authoritative. Yeah. But he's a, he just knows about everything. Absolutely. He knows about the paper trails. He knows about the wiretaps. <laughs> he knows crime scenes. And he can also go in and bust a guy over the head with a bottle. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. he's, he's got the he's got his action action freeman. Um, but there's less and less of the miniature dollhouse stuff uh, in these yeah. episodes. I guess maybe that's deliberate. Maybe yeah. this is Freeman sort of leaving behind... Uh, his former trappings he's he'd almost settled into retirement in yeah. a way hadn't he or or obscurity you know or um you know he'd been deliberately exiled and now he's back on the scene it's almost like he's yeah he's back to he's act, rejuvenated he's yeah. loving it right so the second storyline we want to talk about is bubs yeah. so bubs is you know sitting on his bench just like we are and he's paging <laughs> he's paging Kimo basically cuz uh, she had agreed to meet him and yeah. give him some money um She's not answering because she's in hospital, and uh, what's the name of the cop? Um, well, well, he has. Well, there's two cops. Initially, he rings. He, he rings. Yeah, Holly is Holly's looking. It's Holly, through, yeah, 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 yeah. Holly's looking through Kima's clothes at that t- at that point and sees Kima's pager go off. Yeah, and he traces it instantly yeah. to the payphone where Bubbles is. Yeah, and Bubbles get picked up. Yeah, yeah. Um, which does not go well for Bubbles. He no. gets treated. With much hostility Absolutely. by Holly. Um, and Holly is an absolute bastard at this point. It really is. But I guess they're all, to to be fair to them, and yeah. I'm not condoning police brutality, um, but they are all riled up yeah. because one of their own has been shot and yeah. they are on edge. Now, what he does is completely unjustifiable, but he absolutely beats down on Bubbles and Bubbles is just screaming names he knows. Just, <laughs> yeah. Bubbles is, yeah. is like five foot one, Holly is like seven foot eight. Yeah. As soon as he takes off his jacket, you're like, "Uh oh, I'd be shitting myself." And even if, all, yeah, if I was a cop and I was riled and I want to get my fist, fisticuffs ready, you don't take it out on bubbles. You take it out on, yeah. you know, someone who can have have you in a bit, have you give something back. But bubbles isn't that guy, and he's chained up to the to the desk at that point as well with the handcuffs. And it's not fair. And he's not no. giving. He's not like a bird. You no. know, he's not from a few episodes ago. He's not just saying horrible things back at no, you. No, no, he doesn't deserve it. No. He's a pu- he's a puppy. Yeah. You know, and it's like his name is Bubbles. <laughs> you don't f- pick a fight with a man named Bubbles. Look, I didn't do shit here, okay? I asked you your name. Nah, this shit ain't right. Who'd you try to page, shit bird? Why the fuck do you care? Okay, I mean, you have exactly three more seconds to explain yourself to me, asshole. One shooter definitely opened the passenger door. So any latent prints from that side of the car... Why'd you take your shit first? Off me, man! Holly! Off me! This is a fucking game! I want to call the detective grave! You can't, motherfucker! There was nothing then! This shit ain't right, sir! When I watched it again, I remembered how much I completely hated Holly, because Holly is a terrible human being as well. He, he beats up bubbles, and he's really... He is really central to the massive fuck-up that ruins the life of somebody else further on down the line. And, yeah, he's just... How dare anyone punch bubbles? These are the voices of Hannah and Jen from the Standard Issue podcast. That was horrible to watch as well. That was really... I found that very um, distressing. Poor, Poor bubbles. I feel like about bubbles like I feel about my cats in the... I know that they aren't the same as actual human people, but the idea of anything happening to them makes me, like, really angry and tearful. 
I had a conversation with my brother when I first started watching it because I have this thing where I like to spoil things for myself. Um, I just want to know what's going to happen immediately. But I remember saying to my brother, I, the thing is, I'm really worried about Bubbles. Like, I just, I'm really worried about him. I just think, you know, I really think something bad is going to happen to him. And he just said, look, sis, I think the best thing for you to do at this stage is just imagine that nothing good happens to anyone. <laughs> And you'll get through it. Because he's, he's... The thing about Bubbles as well is, is he's... Aside from the fact that he's mixed up in this, this kind of world... I mean, at any point he could overdose. That happens. Like, so it's literally... Even if Bubbles... Like, nothing bad happens to Bubbles, something bad could happen to Bubbles. You spend the whole time just on the... Like, just on the edge of your seat. For, like, just... Oh, oh, Bubbles. Like, it's always... But, because he's actually probably one of the few characters that you can't really there's not actually anything yeah he's like he's fundamentally a nice guy he's just got you know he's obviously involved in some bad stuff um yeah mcnulty comes and comes and helps him out uh, well at least he saves him from 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 holly and uh, but Mc, the problem is yeah mcnulty saves him but he kind of tries to start tapping him for information yeah. in the streets and Poor Bubbles, it's like a bad sitcom. He just keeps trying to tell him, I'm clean, I'm clean, I'm clean, but yeah. it, nobody's listening. No one's listening. Because, yeah, the mind's occupied by getting whoever shot Kima in chains and, yeah. hopefully getting, and hopefully getting Kima out of hospital as soon as possible. So, And that shows, again, the relationship between Kima and Bubbles. It needs that kind of tightness and friendship. And it's been cool how you've seen McNulty and Bubbles together and their relationship's kind of grown over the past few episodes, but it's still not as tight as as Kima and uh, Bubbles when they're, when they're working together. Kima is, like, one of the examples, I think, of how, like, toxic masculinity, if you like, or, like, this kind of patriarchal situation that, that all of the wire system is, is within, like, how it hurts everyone. I'm Dave Pickering. I'm a storyteller and a podcaster. I make a podcast called Getting Better Acquainted, and I make a podcast called The Family Tree, and I am a massive fan of The Wire. Kima is really interesting because I think, you know, if you look at her life, like like in terms of, yeah, in season one where she gets shot um, and and everybody kind of reacts to that, like that's very brutal. Like the way that, that the kind of the cops come together to like, like because one of their own's been hurt, the way they just like brutally savage other people as a result like as as a as a watcher you kind of are on their side in a way because you love Kima but you're also not on their side because you love all the people they're brutalizing like that's that's what the wire does to you it like it gets you right there in your in your, in your like head and your heart at the same time and you you can't decide what you who you want to live or die when she gets shot it's kind of like it's it's this horrible thing of like you really don't want Kima to die and there's all this emotional stuff going on but Bubbles doesn't know and he's out on the street just trying to hold on to his sobriety. Here's Gabriella Jones. She's a podcast producer at The Guardian. For like a, until he can hear from her and you get like you really get a feeling for like how fragile someone who's trying to get over their addiction actually is. So um, what can I do? Well, for one thing, you can roll around the project, see who's missing. Who ain't around. I thought um, Bubbles was doing some great work in, in, these, um, in this episode. Just the, when McNulty hands him the, the $20 yeah. and you just see the, the agony in his eyes and the, the conflict, you know, because uh, he doesn't need, he, like cash is a bad thing for him kind yeah. of now because it's just temptation. You okay with that? 
just, um, I've been keeping it kind of close, you know? Ain't been around the projects much lately. You know what I'm saying? Beefing with someone down there? No, no, I'm, I'm not beefing with... Eyes open, Bubs. The Kima. Hang loose, I'll get you right. Then we see the flip side of um, the consequences of Kima being shot. We yep. see uh, what Barksdale and his crew ha- are reacting to it. And it's mostly fear because yep. they did not intend to do that. Weebe didn't intend to do that. So they're very much taking precautionary measures. They are... Um, Weebe is told to kill a little man. Um, Servino is basically told he's got to take man up. Yep. Take some time. And Wee Bay is off to Philly. Yeah. <laughs> and we get this great scene uh, with him and D'Angelo. Yeah, there's a, I mean, which just starting back before going to that scene with him and D, because that's fucking hilarious Such and a good scary. Scene. <laughs> but so Wee Bay, there's, there's a scene at the start, towards the start of this episode, where Wee Bay comes and meets Stringer Bell. Um, they talk about the they talk about the hit. Wee Bay at this point doesn't know that the lady in the in the back seat was a cop. Yeah. And then he's kind of mortified when he finds out that he's potentially involved with the potential death of a cop. And immediately it's like, right, who can we not trust here? And Little Man is top of the list of people they can't trust. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's basically Sayonara, Little Man. We, never, we don't see him again. No, he's just killed off screen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I'm laughing. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty sinister, Kobe. Little Man wasn't that big in the show. It's, uh, you know, he's a big guy, but his part wasn't. You know, you didn't get a chance to see me get killed. You know what I'm saying? This is Micaiah Jones. He played Little Man. With, with Bay, you know, I really got to know Hassan. You know what I'm saying? Really great guy. We hung out outside of um, set a couple times, ran into each other. Like, if to based on my personality and his personality, if we were those characters, even being those people, that's that, yo, we got to take this ride real quick. He would lead me into it thinking we were doing something else, and he would have he had to shoot me from behind him. You know what I'm saying? That's that. You you yo go de- go deal with that. Like I, I I see him. He's he's a higher lieutenant than me. If you understand what I'm saying. So even though we rolling together to go do this together, when he say go that way, I'm gonna go this way. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna listen. You know the level of the enforcer that I was on. You know he the boss when we in the streets. All right, babe, whatever you say, son. Let's do this. Once again, his lineage. Who's his mama? You understand what I'm saying? So that is whatever instruction he would have given me, I'd have rolled with it. So to go to Drew Hill Park on and go behind a reptile house is nothing. Do you know why? I don't know. You know how many papers it's been printed in. But my sister used to work at the Baltimore Zoo, which is in Drew Hill Park, which is where the reptile house is. She did security at the Baltimore Zoo. She actually was head security for several years at the Baltimore Zoo. And they have found bodies in that park over the years. So it's not a stretch. You understand what I'm saying? It's not a stretch. They She's found people tied to trees with, with holes in them, gone. Been there for hours, bodies cold overnight. You know, it's a, it's a park right in the middle of the city, but it, it's so dense and thick. You know, if anything goes on, this stuff to go on in that park still in 2018. I don't even ride through there at night. But they can trust him enough for some reason. <laughs> yeah, I don't yeah. know why. I mean, look, we don't know the, the history here. Absolutely. I guess he's proven his loyalty before or something. But Weebay just 
goes right. I'm, I'm off to Philly. I've got some. I've got a place to hide out in Philly. I'm going to go there. And this leads to a scene where D'Angelo's out in the pits, gets a phone call, and says, "Guys, we bay, yeah, D'Angelo, we bay need you. Come and see him straight away." And then he think we bay thinks. Uh, sorry, D'Angelo thinks that we bay's going to kill him. Yeah, because little man's absent. People are expendable in this game, even if you're Barksdale's relative. You it's scary. Point. Yeah, yeah. Um, you feel his fear. In absolutely. This. Yeah. And it's, it's such. I think what they've seen is Goodfellas. Have you seen Goodfellas? Yes. Yeah. 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 Very reminiscent. Yeah. Of when he's, yeah. he gets capped when he um, walks into a room, thinking he's going to be made as you know part of the mafia family properly, and. So Weebay and Weebay and D'Angelo are driving, and D'Angelo's shitting himself at every single step. <laughs> yeah, driving down an, an alleyway. Where are we going? Where are yeah, we going? Where are we going? Where are we going? It's like Weebay's like, dude, keep driving. For fuck's sake, we want to just keep just keep going. He goes to the outside of the house. Weebay walks in. It's like D, go in, in the, the house. house. Yeah. <laughs> It's. I mean, it's slightly unrealistic that Weaver wouldn't have just told him, "Oh, this is my house," yeah. or uh, <laughs> just, "I'm going to Philly. Uh, will you please feed my fish?" <laughs> you know. Uh, but uh, you know, it's played for laughs. Really, it is. Yeah. This scene. But it's good. This is this is masterful because it's tension, tension, tension. Yeah. Release laughter. <laughs> it's 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 see, good. It's very good. D'Angelo's face when he thinks it's about to happen is a picture. Yeah, isn't it? Is nearly in tears. I'm, I'm not sure if he wet himself. You don't see. You don't see the bottom down at that point. <laughs> <laughs> I just do what the fuck they tell me, you know? It ain't on me to know what the fuck they have in mind. Look, babe, now we're coming out of this crazy shit. Yo, turn in this alley right here, right there. Hassan was another one that was great. Um, it was really easy for him to switch on and off into character. This is Demond Gordon. He was a production assistant on season one of The Wire. Um, he could pretty much do it effortlessly um, and and really bring something. But I thought that the the Weebay's love for fish was another example of David Simon layering his characters. Because who would think that some hardened criminal would a have a hobby, b that it would be you know these exotic fish, you know, and and, and a rather expensive hobby at that. Um, so I, you know, it, it's just it speaks to the the genius of David being able to label, uh, layer those characters and do them in such a profound way, in such an individual way. That, to me, is, is absolutely classic. And But I think they are two completely different characters, both chucked in together in this same world. Here's Luke Moore. He's from the Football Ramble podcast. Um, and D'Angelo's horrified by half the stuff Weebay does. The, it's, it's difficult to imagine D'Angelo getting anywhere near doing the stuff that Weebay gets away with and gets, gets involved with. Um, and, and it's a really nice way of, of, of showing the human side of some of these characters sort of swept up in all this. Man, get in here. So that day, I had actually not read my full sides. So I was under the assumption that uh, D'Angelo was going to get killed. So I'm going into it thinking, oh, this is it. You know, this is the end for him because the buildup is, is, would lead you to believe this is going to be an in-house execution. D's messed up one too many times. He's going to be taken out by the crew. Everything that, you know, you don't, and so when you get inside, and it wasn't until we actually got to the location that was um, Weebae's house that I realized either this is like some morbid, you know, like some morbid thing that we're shooting or like, you know, it just didn't make sense that we would shoot it 
in his basement with all these nice fish tanks and these exotic fish. Like, you know, it just didn't make sense. Like you would do that in the alley where, you know, there would be no mess or no, no mistakes. Um, and so it wasn't until we actually started shooting that scene that I realized, and I'm reading the sides of their, is their acting that, Oh, he doesn't get killed. Cause it implies that in, in the, in the uh, side script that no, he doesn't get killed. He's going to be fine. And you know, there's a sigh of relief and, yeah, but I, th- I thought that was a great scene to shoot. Check it out, D. Need you to feed him while I'm gone. You're going to give him different food for each tank, too, all right? But don't worry, I'm going to show you what to do. Come here. These are my touches. Got Kimmy. Alex Aubrey and Jezebel in here somewhere. I don't know, she thinks she's cute. You take two pinches of whatever food I got next to each tank. They set for the day. See? There ain't no problems. Just beautiful as hell, D. Go upstairs and pack some shit. I love that he yeah. had names for them all. <laughs> this is such an extra dimension to Weebay's character. It's isn't it? So good. It's like a million fish saying he knows them all by name. <laughs> yeah. That's Jeffrey is a bit of a, is a, bit of a cat. Uh, <laughs> There's um, so many fish. There's lots of but fish. But like there was that room had no other function except to oh, just course. have fish in it. <laughs> yeah. Then the last storyline um, is we see how the top brass are dealing with um, with Kima's shooting. Yeah. Uh, so we see them show up at the hospital and we we meet the commissioner for the first time. Yeah, yeah, uh, Burrell's boss, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the commissioner comes up to Daniels is talking to a detective. I think it's I think it's Norris, but yeah. uh, don't quote me on that. And I guess he sees black cop, white cop, and goes, and he assumes that the white cop is is the uh, lieutenant. Is the lieutenant and yeah. says, "Hey, lieutenant." And then uh, Norris, to his credits, goes, "Yeah, thanks, but yeah, this is this is Daniels. This is the guy that's in charge." It's sa- it's sad, um, it's sad and funny at the same time. Yeah, yeah. I think, um, but it's, it, I think Daniels' ex- his expression throughout <laughs> this is just superb. Like it's this mixture of like resignation and frustration he's just kind of like yeah of course yeah. you're going to do this yeah. you know and this is sort of the tipping point for Daniels' arc isn't it because this is Daniels starts as a company man mm-hmm. starts the wire as a company man and he's all about he's all up Burles' ass yeah absolutely um, and this is the episode where I think where he really starts to to stand up for himself well, I guess there's been hints of it it kind of takes it up in, on his own head at this point because previously when he has stood up to Burrell and the, and the guys uh, above him it's been McNulty, it's been Kima, they've said, dude, you need to step up now. Yeah. But this time, I think that's kind of the tipping point where he's like, you you are an absolute twat. I'm going to make sure, I'm going to take this on my own head and, and lead this charge forward because this needs to be done properly. I'm not going to let you ruin this. Um, and then we see another instance where, at this point, where Carver's gone to see uh, Kima Gregg's girlfriend and she's in the hospital crying and and someone says, well, should we get should we get someone in, in charge to go and say console her a bit and first of all there's a funny scene where Burrell clearly doesn't know that Kima is lesbian yeah and he's like oh Kima's girl does she have a, does she have a little girl uh, is she married <laughs> so awkward yeah and they just go no that's that's her roommate can you just go and talk to her Burrell goes to the commission and says maybe hey dude maybe you should step up and talk to her because you're the you're the man in charge here the main commissioner can't be asked and yeah. Burrell kind of takes upon himself, which is which is kind of cool with Burrell, um, but just again sets the scene for this 
the the main commissioner guy saying just being a bit of a a bit of a dick really yeah I mean I'm it, all of the the upper echelons of the police force are yeah. painted very badly yeah. uh, in this scene um, and in this episode yeah I think uh, uh, and and that comes to a head when Daniels is facing off with Burl in his office yeah and um, Burl says the quote you know I just want dope on the table yeah he just wants his photo up he they, someone one of their own has been taken and they need to show the press that they're doing something about it and it's like we've said previously that's all they care about. They just want quick results and quick wins, yeah. and, and it's it's all it's all a show. Yeah, absolutely. And I thought this is very interesting, and this is what David Simon is so good at, and just getting to the root of the problem with the police force, and that that's part of it. And we see here when you, when you talk about the dope on the table, the guys in charge have found out about the stash, the main yeah. stash, and say, you need to go to that stash, you need to raid it, and bring that's that's the dope that we want to see on the table, and everyone in the details properly dejected by this pissed off that they've worked so hard to find this place they want to protect it but they've, been, they've yeah their rank's been called they have to go and, and break it in and, and break things down early which then affects the rest of the wire um, this is a cool scene with the breaking though when you see all of the police force going in there ransacking the place finding all the, all the drugs and you see Herc and Carver find a load of money underneath the bed Yes, and they call finally it, got their moment. Yeah, they, <laughs> no wire taps going to mention that. No, exactly, they find a load of money and they take a, a bunch each. Would you have done it, Kobe? I'd like to say no, but if it's an easy, you know, ten grand and no one's going to bat an eyelid, and it's drug, it's, it's, it's you drug know, money, it's no drug money, miss, it's yeah. there, it's just going to sit in evidence. I think I probably would have done it. Yeah. I'm talking myself into it. I know. <laughs> I'm kind of like, I just like to be a cop for that moment when you bust into a main stash and steal the money. Uh, it's hard, though, because you are putting your career on the line at the same time. Absolutely. So it's risky. Um, it'd be interesting to talk to cops and see you know, how often this opportunity arises and how often people do it. I know there's, yeah. there's been documentaries. There's, there's a fantastic documentary a couple of years ago called Precinct 5-7, I think it was. Hello, this is producer Tom, just jumping in with another one of my little fact checks. Uh, the documentary that Kobe is referring to is actually Precinct 75. That's Precinct 75. That is your fact check over. Based about, based around a dirty police cop in, uh, a dirty police cop? Dirty cop in... Police in. cop. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like an action movie. Let's get this bank back to a hideout. We'll break into it later. It's the cops! Where's... The police cops. Uh, dirty cop in New York, and what he gets up to is insane. Uh, this is a lot lower level, and you can imagine, you know, they come across a bit of money quite easily, as long as you return in the majority of it for for the stash for the for the dope on the table scene. You can imagine, yeah, why not? I'm going to take a bit and buy myself a nice little holiday feels like a lot of a lot of this happens a lot yeah I would imagine yeah I'd imagine so it's lucky we don't work in jobs where we're just presented with giant piles of cash exactly (laughs) (laughs) hi my name's Matt Uh, I'm a huge wire fan and I live in Poland Uh, I moved there around eight years ago from the UK and watched the entire five seasons of the wire within about my first two months in the country and I'm calling to tell you my favourite quote from season one. And this quote is actually repeated throughout 
the entire show. Um, but in this time, I think it's uh, Bunk saying to McNulty, that'll teach you to give a fuck when it ain't your turn to give a fuck. And I think it's just such a valid quote uh, throughout the, the entire show. You know, anytime you kind of go above and beyond or make a bit of effort or get involved in something because your conscience tells you to, you almost always end up suffering for it. And I think it's it's a really, really valid quote from that season. Thanks for that voice memo, which was left on our burner phone. Yes, we have a burner phone. It's untraceable. You can leave us a message on it from wherever you are in the world. Uh, just head to our Facebook or our Twitter page and you'll get the phone number there. And when you call us, please let us know your name, your location, Twitter account, and leave us a short and sweet message. And this week we want to know, yeah, we want to know what was your favourite scene in season one of The Wire? You're about to hear the voice from one of our listeners. We've called her Jane. Jane is a recovered heroin addict and she tells us the very real story um, of the, the threat of violence that she experienced growing up in Baltimore um, as a heroin addict. And we thought it would be a great opportunity to play her story uh, in this episode in the aftermath of Kima being shot. I see some guy coming up to me and I think it's one of his runners, but I don't recognize because it's pitch black back there. They break the lights on purpose so that the camera can't see. I'm back there and I see that this guy's got a mask on and all of a sudden he just freaking grabs his gun and just points it literally underneath my chin just points it underneath my chin and he's like give me your fucking money he's like i know you got fucking money i know you got at least like like you know 300 500 bucks on you cash he's like we're not playing any fucking games and i was like i don't i don't i wanted dope that bad that i was willing to risk my life and put that stuff down my freaking um spandex pants like literally like my my uh my uh what do you call it? my yoga, yoga pants. pants like um you know i had yoga pants on so i'm sliding this money down my yoga pants that's how much you literally stop to not care about your life i know how these guys are they're not gonna shoot usually most likely they're not going to shoot because if you shoot a white person in your neighborhood your neighborhood's going to be flooded with cops for the next week to two weeks and everybody's going to be coming after that person and they're going to find out who it is they're going to find out who's that who that mask guy is and his ass is going to be beat you know it's not just like oh yeah da, da, da. like and you start to kind of get a tolerance because i already even had a gun pointed at me twice at this point this was the third third time and I knew if I shouted, like, oh, this guy with a mask is trying to rob me, nobody gives a shit if you scream that out loud. But if you scream something like rape, the girls will have your back, at least, and some men in the neighborhood as well. You know, and people knew me around there. So if they hear my voice screaming, you know, like, you, you build up a reputation. Two, three minutes had passed. People were about to come. Something was about to come. So I um, I went and I uh, told him, I was like, dude, I fucking told you. I don't have shit on me. I don't have shit in my purse. I was like, and he's about to walk off in my purse. I was like, dude, come on. At least give me my fucking purse back. I have my phone in there and everything. The guy gave me my fucking shit back because he knew he had nothing like on. Like he, he couldn't do anything with it. 
And so I ran back to the car. I called my dog dealer. I was fucking furious. I was like, you're telling me that you didn't fucking hear me scream? I'm right behind your fucking window. All you needed to do was drop something, you know? I was like, I was, I was like, I know you're fucking in on this. And he's like, no, no, man, no, no, no. I got you, I got you. That's, I'm, I'm gonna get this motherfucker for you, da, 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 you know? And then he comes out and gives me my stuff and we leave. But this is just like one example of how it goes. Okay, two, two final scenes uh, we'd like to talk about. Uh, firstly, there's a great scene with McNulty and, and Morris Levi, the, yeah. the the Barksdale's lawyer, where he basically just completely offloads all his frustrations onto him. Yeah. McNulty's finally dug himself out of his his hole of guilt, yeah. and he's back on being asshole McNulty, and he basically gives all of it to Levi, which is great. Levi, I should say. Uh, yes, this is a great scene, and and Ronda's just looking horrified. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because they're trying Ronda, and they go in there. Ronda's thinking they're going to try and negotiate with the, with their lawyer to get some, yeah, get some some um, collaboration, I guess. You know, you give us some guys, we'll give you some leeway, and that's what they go in there, and something flips him at Nulty, and he just goes, dude. A cop is dead. A cop has been shot. You need to sort this out. I'm going to go. I'm going to go ballistic on you if this doesn't happen. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then Perlman's left going. Yep, yeah, I agree with him. That's what we want. Except that um, Rhonda kind of calls him on it outside, yeah. and then he flips on her as well. He's just kind of like you said it earlier. He's he's just a live wire. Yeah. He you know he just. He, he can take it on anyone at any time because she didn't really deserve it just because she was trying to look out for her own career. No, oh, of course you know, not. Just somewhat reasonable. It's kind of you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't if you're working with Minolte. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's impossible to please. Rhonda is a... She, she's a good foil for for Levy, the, the lawyer on the street side. Hi, I'm Jonathan Abrams. I'm the author of All the Pieces Matter, the inside story of The Wire. You see that she's good and that she's working. And what's what's interesting was something that Michael Kostroff, uh, the actor who played Levy, he talked about his character kind of conforming to, to Jewish stu- uh, stereotypes, he thought. But then he also pointed out that people probably didn't notice, but that Rhonda Perlman was also Jewish in the show. So it's just interesting to see that dichotomy as well. I guess the last thing... One thing I want to talk about also is we think uh, Wallace is safe here. He's been taken under the command of McNulty and and Daniels. And we've established previously that Baltimore police cannot put him up in a hotel. <laughs> yeah. They can't take care of him. No. Uh, so they go, well, do you know anyone you can stay with that's safe? And they take him to, take him to his grandmother's house, which, where he hasn't been since he was nine years old. Out in the country. Yeah. Uh, and he said these crickets are as loud as a motherfucker. It's <laughs> <laughs> just not used to being. <laughs> what up, Mr. Beachfront property? Nah, for I told you on Bayside. My grandmother on Bayside. Still, man, you on vacation and knowing that bring me with you. I can get all the way down there anyhow. I'll talk a buzz. Well, shit, tell me how to go and I'll grab a hound too. Come down there and hang out with your ass. Nah, man, ain't like that. Yo. The air down here all sticky. Worse than Baltimore, yo. Damn, these crickets, yo. They louder than a motherfucker. Can't get no sleep. 
don't think I'm cut out to be no country ass nigga, man. What's that noise? He said. Yeah. It's just such a great little line. I loved all the stuff with Wallace and Daniels. Yeah. I thought it was really nice. I've got, I kind of feel like they could have a coming of age type movie where Daniels becomes the father figure that Surrogate. he never had. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. father. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think Wallace has got it. <laughs> hasn't had a dad hasn't, hasn't got a father figure that can help him out at all no he is the father figure that's the sad thing isn't he alright that's it from us for this week next week uh, we're going to be meeting up and we're going to be watching season 1 episode 12 it's called cleaning up yeah guys thank you very much and in the meantime head to Apple Podcasts or iTunes leave us a message leave us a review and we look forward to reading them all or you can chat with us and we do always write back we're on Facebook and Twitter at The Wire Stripped or just email us we're burner at thewirestripped.com yeah thanks to our guests who you heard in this episode we really appreciate the time you've taken out to first of all watch The Wire with us and to talk about it and a big thank you as always to the wind beneath our wings <laughs> Mr. Tom Wally our producer and editor yeah Izzy we love you uh, thanks for the logos that you did for us and last but not least, thanks to Martin and Sam from the Song by Song podcast. They got out their accordion and did the awesome version of Way Down in the Hole that you're hearing right now and every week. Yes. Thank you very much, guys. Bye. Bye. We'll see you next week. Bye.